As we prepare to uh, have our esteemed and anointed Pastor John come up here, I want to say something to start, and I think this is very important. I know that we have a lot of wonderful family here today, and I want to start by saying this. God takes us from strength to strength and glory to glory, and God is the one who created family. And we know as we watch how God has worked with his people, and we read the stories in the word, we see that he called Abraham, he called Noah, and then through the family, he blessed the earth, didn't he? And as we saw Abraham, we saw that there was one family, but then there were many tribes. And today, I want to start by saying for all of you that have come and visited today specifically as we hear a word from John, and to honor what God has done in this region, I want to start by saying that we honor all of you who God may have called to a different tribe, to a different assignment, to a different place or a different season, but you and I and all of us are still one family. And I want to thank you because everything that we're doing and everything that we're seeing, we had a, a, a foster kid who came and they actually broke into the church and we got to have them come and hang out with us and they were, they were doing some community service and, and someone here got to lead him to the Lord while he, was, while he was doing community service here at Christ Center. I just thought that was a beautiful picture of redemption. And it made me think about, what if there was no Christ Center? Then what would this young man do? What if there was no church for him to break into and then get saved? And you know what? The reason why there is a Christ Center is because of this family. And wherever you're serving at this, play, at this time and wherever you are at this time, we just want to honor you and thank you. Because of you, we are all here. Because of you, the kingdom continues to be extended. And we just love you. And it's a great day to be together, isn't it? Well, I want to honor a man that I love very much. And I, want, and I know that you all are here because you love him very much. And he and Lena Gay have been so faithful and so extraordinary in their resolve to trust God no matter what the circumstance, no matter what happens, I have found John and Lena Gay to be absolutely like a rock in each situation. They never stop trusting that God will do what he says he's going to do. And you have impacted our lives, and you've impacted so many, and it's such an honor to hear a word from you today. Can we welcome Pastor John? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, we got a lot to do. We got a short time to do it, and let's get right with it. Lena Gay, would you come up? Lena Gay, would you come on up? And Steve Shear, would you come up? Hallelujah. Grab the mic. Here we go. Right behind you. And Steve, uh, would you just pray over the word today? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And, and Lord, we're anxious to hear the word that can heal wounds, that can save people, that can redeem our lives. You know what, Lord? 
there's none like you. Amen. You are the great I am. Amen. And as you speak, those words are what we Amen. cling to because you are who you say you are. And you are the redeemer of our souls. I would ask, Father, in Jesus' name, now that John would clearly speak what you want us to hear. And that our hearts would be touched. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, brother. You take that back to Joshua. Let's start off in Mark, the sixth chapter, the 30th verse. <clears throat> the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's get away from the crowds for a while and rest. There were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. They left by boat for a quieter spot, but many people saw them leaving, and people, and, uh, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and met them as they landed. A vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he taught them many things. Later in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy themselves some food. But Jesus said, You feed them. With what, they asked. It would take a small fortune to buy food for all of this crowd. How much food do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, We have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the crowd to sit down on the group in groups on the grassy on the green grass. So they sat in groups of fifty or a hundred. Jesus took five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven, and asked God's blessing on the food, breaking the loaves into pieces. He kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples to give to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and they picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. 5,000 men had eaten from those five loaves. Immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and head out across uh, to the lake, Thesna. While he, set, uh, uh, while he sent the people home, Afterwards, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. During the night, the disciples were in the boat, out in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. After three o'clock in the morning, he came to them walking on the water. He started to go past them, <coughs> but they saw him walking on the water, they screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said, I'm here, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. Two great events in the history of our biblical world are in, in combined in that story. And I want to take two areas out of that story and breathe them on your lives today. When he asked the disciples, because he had compassion for all the people, 
go and get food for them. And they said, how are we going to do that? And Jesus said to them, just go and bring to me what you have. And what you don't have, don't worry about it. Just bring to me what you have. And so when they brought the, the loaves and the fishes with 5,000 people, I mean, it's like here we have food that would take care of maybe 440 Gordy by himself, <laughs> but not 5,000 men, including all the women and including all the children and probably all together uh, something like 15,000 people, not just 5,000. I want to say to you today, why don't you just quit worrying about what you don't have, and when Jesus says, would you come to me, just bring to him what you do have. What do you have? If nothing else, you just have a heart that loves him, then just bring that and let him add everything to it. Mikey Obar, would you turn the video on of Mikey? Mikey Obar came to us and lived here for some eight years. Mikey Obar was institutionalized, had Down syndrome, and would be considered by most people retarded. Not qualified for sure to have any position in the church. And God spoke to me and said, I want you to bring Mikey Obar that I'm giving to you as a gift and I'm going to show him some power that you will never see if you don't stand with me and walk through the purpose of why I've sent Mikey to you. So I started taking Mike with me every place I'd go. Mike had some issues. He was had an open hole in his heart and had horrendously bad health, had very little wind capacity. Um, Mike also had some other physical ailments that were severe. And so when I'd ask Mike to well, just come with me and I'm, you're going to become my partner. I can't, I can't be your partner because I'm retarded. I said, who said you're retarded? Well, they said I was retarded. Mom told me I was retarded. My teachers told me I was retarded. The people at the institution told me I was retarded. And I said, do you believe it? Yeah. Well, quit believing it because you're not retarded. You're unique. God created you to be unique. I never want to hear you tell me that you're retarded. So we started traveling together, and he traveled with me over into Aruba, and we, we had some phenomenal times together. I made him the, my associate and I would introduce him to other pastors and other leaders as my associate. And Mikey one day came to me and he said, John, I believe God's called me to preach the word. And I thought to myself, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> I says, well, Mikey, what do, you, what do you think? He says, well, I... I'm not you. I can't preach like you. I said, okay. But I just think that, you know, I heard you talking the other day about the fishes and the five loaves. And, and when you said, just bring what you have, and you said, 
if you have nothing but just love in your heart, just bring that. He said, that's what I'm bringing. I'm just going to bring my heart like you told me. Now, do you believe what you preached? I said, yes. Then I'm your, has anybody come yet? I says, no. Then I'm the first one. <laughs> I bring my heart to Jesus, and since I really can't figure out where he is, I'm bringing it to you. So you're my flesh in Jesus. Now, what are you going to do with it? I says, well, must get ready. Why don't you preach a Christ Center? Really? I said, yeah, why don't you preach a Christ Center? And we've got a conference coming up, and why don't you share at the conference? Really? I said, listen, you're the one that came to me and said you have a heart. Now let's give what you got. All right. So he, I said, you work out your little outline, and you bring it to me, and I'll help you, and then you're going to give it. So he did. He sat in my office, and we worked out this little outline. He had about a five-minute presentation, and he was ready. And I introduced to him the same way I'd introduce Wick Neese or anyone else, and you people received him graciously. And Mikey gets up, and he goes, I sure do love and appreciate all of you, and came over and sat down beside me and put his head over my shoulder. <laughs> I said, Mikey, what happened? That's all I got. The conference was in town a couple months thereafter, and I heard God specifically tell me, Mike's going to be one of the keynote speakers. And I thought, oh, Lord, please. I, 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 God, I know what he's going to do. He's going to should do love and appreciate all of you and sit down. And so there's going to be a big gap that we're going to miss. I said, so, Mike, I'm, I'm going to have you as one of the keynote speakers, and you'll follow Nigel Big Pond. All right. So we worked out his little five-minute presentation again, and I introduced him the same way I would introduce anyone else. And Mike got up and made about a minute worth out of it and sat down. That night I got a call from Jay Swallow, Dr. Jay Swallow from Oklahoma. Dr. Jay, our Native American who didn't like the alliance, didn't want to be a part of another religious group, didn't want more conferences, never would participate with us, and always sent Nigel Big Pond in his place. I would go and I would sit with Dr. Swallow in his, in his place in Oklahoma City, and I'd come right out and ask him, Jay, why don't you, why don't you attend the alliance with all, with, with all of us? Why don't, why don't you come and participate? Ah, I, I, I've sent Nigel. Okay, that's fine. I wish you'd come sometime. So this one time he came, sat in the back, didn't want to participate, and he calls me. I want to have breakfast with you tomorrow morning. Can I do that? I said, sure, Jay. Love to have breakfast with you. So we went to the restaurant. He sat down, and Jay Swallow and Nigel Big Pond, as, as long as I've known them, they don't cry. They don't show emotion. It's one of the Native American traits. I mean, especially a leader. And he looked at me and he just started bawling. I thought, what in the world? I said, Jay, what's up? I'm 100% a part of the alliance. I said, you are? Why? 
He says, because when you introduced Michael Obar as the guest speaker, you melted my heart. And what he said melted my heart. But more than that, you don't know it. No one else knows it. I have a Down syndrome daughter that everybody has put on the shelf. And you're allowing Mikey Obar to come and be one of your key guys? I'm in. Mikey Obar became the first ordained Assembly of God Down Syndrome pastor in the history of the Assemblies of God. Mikey would call me up. He went back to Birmingham, Alabama and became a part of, back to his home church, the big Assembly of God church. Now remember, they all knew that, that they sent him away as a little boy to be institutionalized, and now he's one of the key speakers of the Assemblies of God across the country. And so he became very, very popular. He was featured on their magazine, their national magazine on the front page. Michael Obar from Roebuck, Alabama, first ordained Assembly of God pastor with Down syndrome. Tick me off. And I called up Mike. I said, hey, Mike, that magazine, don't, don't, don't keep that magazine. He says, why? I said, because they said that you have Down syndrome. Yeah, that really bothered me too. <laughs> when Mikey Obar died, Red and I went to his funeral in Birmingham. We walked up to the casket, and there he was in the casket, and his little hands on the Bible. Thousands of people responded to the man's death because of his life. All because, all because he heard a sermon about bring what you've got and let God multiply it. He called me up one night after one of his crusades, literally. Several thousand pastors were there. And he spoke, this was his message. I have it down word for word. I was born with Down syndrome. And I was told all my life that I have, that I am retarded. Can't buy a car because I can't drive a car. Can't get married because I don't know what to do if I was married. <laughs> can't handle money so I don't have money. I just can't do what all of you in this auditorium would, can do. But I sure love Jesus. And Jesus has come into my heart and, and everything that you think is important I really don't. I think what's important is my love for Jesus because you work hard to get ahead in life. I work hard to praise him for eternal life. And that was it. And then he would say, if you're not as happy as I am, why don't you let me pray for you and I'll pray for you right now. And they would flood the auditorium. They'd flood to the congregation. They'd come up here bawling and squalling. Calls me up and he says, Hey, Pastor John, how much money do you get when you go out and preach? <laughs> I said, well, I don't take an offering. He said, yeah, yeah, you, you, how much do you get? I said, Mike, I don't take an offering. Well, you should. They paid me $5,000. I only spoke for five minutes. <laughs> he was one of the hottest tickets in the Assembly of God. Because you know what? People would hear that a Down syndrome guy is ordained, they would come to watch the circus. 
But when they came, they realized it wasn't the circus. It was the anointing of God upon him because he just came with what he had, the love of God. Would you put some pictures of Herb Christensen up on the... Up on the Back in the early 90s, late 80s, I got a call from Herb. Herb says, John, I want you to get up here right away because the doctors told me I need a shrink in Sacred Heart because I'm dying and there's no way I can make it through the operation and they want me to have a shrink to come in and try to take care of things. I told him I didn't need a shrink. I want my pastor. And so I went up, and Herb is in his bed. Herb is one of the longest, I think he is the longest now living open heart person in Sacred Heart. And I looked at him, and he said, John, uh, I guess I'm going to die. Herb had some drug issues and some dependency upon drugs that had caused some deterioration in the body to the place where his heart wasn't working right and, and it was not good. <clears throat> I'm standing there <clears throat> looking at him and the Lord said, prophesy to him, tell him that I'm going to use him all over the world and I'm going to change nations through him. <laughs> I thought, oh God. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus, please. So I grabbed a hold of myself and I says Lord please just don't let's not do something here that's because see when God speaks it doesn't make sense in the world it doesn't make sense in your intellect it doesn't, it doesn't make sense in your comfort zone and I says okay God Herb you're not going to die and God spoke to me and he says you're going to be used to change nations and so don't worry about dying. Go get your operation so you're going to live, and you're going to live to be an old man, and you're going to affect nations. Herb came out, told me he needed to go to take a plane ride to Nicaragua and Guatemala and just ride along. I says, okay, then go do it. Because Herb also had heard this, the teaching about a few loaves and a few fish and just bring what you have. He says, all I have is just, just heart to love him. So I'm just going to bring my heart and tell me what to do. I said, get on that plane and go. He jumped on a plane and had engine problems and it had to land in Nicaragua. Or excuse me, it had to land in Guatemala. And it was Guatemala that he met. The relationship that I have today, that you have today, that we've traveled and we've opened up the, the nation of Guatemala with the army, all because of Herb's obedience to go. And, and then from Guatemala to open up Nicaragua, all because Herb had the, the heart to go and just give what God had for him. And God provided a, two nations. And then he comes, comes to me and he says, John, I, I know this doesn't make sense, but I'm, to go to, I'm going to go to Russia. I'm supposed to go to Russia. I said, who do you know in Russia? Nobody. I said, you're going to fly into Russia and you know nobody. That's right. I said, okay, then go. You know why I said that? Because with the fishes and the loaves, that's not going to get us very far. 
But when we land, God will provide everything else to take care of everything. He flies into Russia. The guy that we had to pick him up didn't show up. Another guy says, what are you doing? Well, he says, I'm here waiting for so-and-so. Well, I'll just take you over to a pastor's house. Happened to be the pastor, Paul, who we developed a relationship, the president of the Pentecostal church in all of Cuba, or all, all of, of Russia. And Herb's been there how many times now, Herb? Way over 35. I was there. I've traveled with him there. I watched this one man take these prisoners and give them hope by putting on the drama. The, he became a rock star in Russia. I would get up and, and be introduced, but, and, and, you know, and they, would, they would stand there like, you know. Herb would be introduced. Ah! Ah! Because Herb was anointed. Why was he anointed? Because he came to him and he said, I'm just going to bring my heart. I don't even know anybody in Russia. And these scenes have been blessed with the anointing of God's Holy Spirit because of Herb Christensen. How many of you today would sit here and say, well, I could bring my heart to Jesus, but I'm too old. I, I could bring my heart to Jesus, but I'm not smart enough. And I can bring my heart to Jesus, but I don't have good enough health. That guy right there was the commandant in charge of all of the prisons in Russia. And because of Herb Christensen, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. All because he simply obeyed Jesus and said, well, I'll go out and get a few fish and a few loaves. And he brought them back to Jesus. And Jesus said, okay, now you've done this. I'm going to give you nations. Tom Landry, in the 60s, when he became the coach of, we can turn the, the videos off. Tom Landry, when he became the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, just getting killed. In one halftime experience, he walks in. His players have their heads down, bleeding, sweating, being completely beat up by the, by the um, Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's when Pittsburgh was on top of their game, and that's when Dallas was on the bottom of their game. Tom said, I want everybody to put four fingers up. Lift your right hand and put four fingers up. And so the players, they lift their right hand and put four fingers up. He says, from now on, we're going to play through the fourth quarter. We're not going to quit at the halftime. The game starts now. We're playing through the fourth quarter. And if we play through the fourth quarter and we give it all we've got, we'll be winners at the end of the fourth quarter. Man, they got excited. And it was like somebody went out and got some loaves and some fishes and brought them to Tom Landry and he fed his players and they went out and in the fourth quarter with 30 seconds to go beat the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The guys come in, they're high-fiving, they're jiving, they're going crazy. And Landry says, okay, everybody sit down. From now on, we give God the glory, and we're going to play through the fourth quarter. It's not over until the fourth quarter ends. And some of you, I, I have a sense, would say, well, 
John, I, I've played through the fourth quarter. And I'm, I'm too old. I'm, I'm kind of like Mikey Obor. I'm retarded. I'm kind of like Herb Christensen. I have a bad heart. I've got a disease. I'm kind of like John Bowers. I'm just plain crazy. <laughs> but Tom Landry believed in the fourth quarter and in doing that changed the Dallas Cowboys to become top, not bottom. And today, when you see high school kids raise their hand and four fingers, they don't even know what, what it's about. It's a tradition with them. You see college players, every team now, in the fourth quarter, the coach is going along, raising four, hand, four fingers, and they don't even know what it's about. If they knew what it was about, wow. Now, my point is, you know what it's about. And I want you today, when you go home, find a quiet place, and you and Jesus... Raise your hand. Okay, I'm in it, fourth quarter. And you say, and I'm not going to worry about my age. I'm not going to worry about my health. I'm not going to worry about the money. I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm going to lift my hand and say, okay, God, here I come with what I've got, and all I have is a heart for you. Would you add everything together and let me affect the kingdom of God for you? Amen. When I was in prison, I was teaching a class, and I had Christ Center sending in the salvation cards through the chaplain, which is illegal. A bunch of criminals here in this place. So they were smuggling stuff in through the chaplain's office. And I had 1,500 salvation cards that on one side, the Christ Center's salvation cards have been handed out in, in nations all over the world in their dialect. And on the first part is Romans where it says, what, is, what does it say? The word of God is in your heart and in your mind. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that he's saved, you'll be saved. Okay, we had that all printed out. And on the back side was a salvation card. And the salvation was, believe in your heart and pray the sinner's prayer. And they did and da-da-da and everybody got saved. Well, we, we had all those sin, had some 1,500 sent in. So I'm teaching the, the Thursday Bible class, which is a, an unregistered class, which it means is illegal in prison, but you can do it as long as you don't get caught. <laughs> it went from 6 to 75. Everything's on camera in prison. And Rodney's dad died. And I said, okay, Rodney, you're going to go to your dad's funeral. This was, his dad had died on Monday, his funeral was on Friday. So on Thursday, I said, okay, guys, we've got to pray for Rodney. He's going to his dad's funeral. So we're going to, and we've been working on salvation, and, and you can only imagine how bad it was because they would swear something. No, none of the guys could say a sentence without stopping over and over again to swear. You stupid blankety-blank, you're going to hell, you just will accept Jesus. I mean, that's what they're pract we're practicing getting people saved. One-on-one, <laughs> -on -one, and that's what's going on. And I'm going, oh, sweet Jesus, oh, God. But again, I had shared with them about the loaves and the fishes, and because they'd say, we don't have a blinkety-blank thing to present to anybody. We're in prison because we're criminals. I said, yeah, but if you have a heart for Jesus, you can give something away, and it'll work. 
So Rodney's going to his dad's funeral. So I said, okay, guys, what we're going to do now, remember, everything's on camera. I said, what we're going to do, we're going to put 45 cards in your pocket where the guards will search you and find them. We're going to put 45 cards in your, po in your pants pocket where the guards will search you and find them. We're going to put 45 uh, cards in your sock where the guards will search you and find you. But we're going to take your sock off and put 45 cards under your foot and put your sock back on and put your shoe on and they won't find them. And when you get to the service, you've got the salvation cards because he said, I have 45 family members that will be there. Well, you need 45 cards then. So, we pray over Rodney. Oh, you should have heard the prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this SOB. I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. But God is the one that takes what you've got and adds everything to it in spite of our religiosity. So, Rodney goes off to the funeral. They put the jump sheet on him. Has his prison number convict on the back they put chains around his ankles chains around his waist chains around his neck handcuff him with the chain going from his neck to his um, ankle to his <laughs> to his waist to his ankles and so this is the way he walks where we went <laughs> we, we can't get to the gate but we can go because we're praying for him a bunch of us so here he's walking out, chink, 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 that's all he can do. He can't lift his head back any further than this. He can put his head down, but he can't lift it back because of the chain, chink, 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 chink. He said, Rev, how am I going to do this? Because they're going to take me right down the aisle and put me on the front row. How humiliating. I said, you're doing it for Jesus. Just give him your fishes and loaves and watch him do the rest. So sure enough, Friday happened. They found all of the salvation cards except the one in his shoe. And the service is over. The pastor said, okay, we thank you for coming on behalf of the family. Blah, 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 blah. Going to be a reception afterwards. Invite everybody to come. And Rodney says, sir with two guards sitting on each side of him. Sir! Yes. I have something to say that my dad would want be proud of and want me to say. What's the pastor going to do? Okay. He said, I want all of my 45 family members to come up here in front of the casket. Stand in front of dad. So they all come up. He sits down. Says to his brother, take my shoe off and take my socks off and you're going to find some salvation cards under my shoe. Two guards sitting there stunned. So his brother takes his shoe off, takes his sock off, pulls out the salvation cards. He said, there's 45 of them there. Give one to every one of the family members. So he went around and handed them all out, all 45 to the family members. He says, now, I've memorized this, and I want you guys to pray after me. The Word of God says this, and they read it. He said, do all of you believe this or not? And it was kind of, well, Yeah. Then they turn it over and the salvation. Now I'm going to pray the prayer and you pray it after me. So they prayed after me. He said, now, the Rev in prison who taught me this also wants me to have you guys, if you said it and you mean it, raise your hand if you got saved today. 
And he said, I heard this big rumbling behind me. And I turned around and he says, there was people all over with their hands in the air. <laughs> Not counting all my 45 family members bawling and squalling. I couldn't believe it. I only had a few fish and a few loaves. And I go down the aisle and I end up saving more people than most pastors save in their lifetime. So he comes back, and Thursday he's testifying. Place packed out. They wanted to hear what happened to Rodney. <laughs> we thought he would go to the hole, and we thought some of us might go to the hole too because we <laughs> smuggle it in on him. And um, so he says, oh, he tells us a story, and I says, Rodney, I've got to ask you a question, though. You, you can't speak a sentence without five or six cuss words. Yeah. I said, well, were you able to get through it without cussing? Because I told him before he left, I said, Rodney, when you hear a cuss word coming, just stop. Get yourself together and then go on without it. Oh, man. He said, do I cuss that much? He said, I'm going to tell you something. I'd start in and I'd stop. And then I would take off again and I'd stop. He said, I can't remember. I couldn't think that I swore that much. But he said, I didn't have one bad word. Got all the way through it. Just a few loaves. And just a few fish. If that's all you've got, just bring it to him. And if you don't have a few loaves and a few fish, but you have a heart that beats and your heart loves him, just bring that to him. That's all you need. And don't believe a lie. Don't believe a lie that you're too old. Don't believe a lie that you're too sick. Don't believe a lie that you're too poor. And don't believe a lie that you're too rich. Don't be, believe a lie you're too busy. Don't believe the biggest lie you're too religious. Just come and give him your heart. And let him multiply what you've brought. You can look at a Mikey Obar. You can look at a Herb Christensen. You can hear the story about Rodney. And you can say, boy, those are good stories. You, you need to become a testimony right along with them. Now, I'm going to do something today that's going to cause you to have to have a little bit of faith. It's going to cause some fortitude to come forth. And as I start speaking, and when God touches you, I want you to stand. Because what you're going to do when you stand, you're going to lift your hand, you're going to put four fingers up. And that's letting the enemy know, I'm going over and I'm not through. And I'm saying, I'm ready to go. I'm going to have a testimony. And I'll guarantee you, you'll have a testimony. I'll guarantee you, when you say, God, I, I've let this keep me back no longer. Today I've heard the Lord. I'm going to bring what I've got. Even if I don't have fishes and loaves, I'm going to bring a heart like Mikey did. So as I speak, I want you to get ready because in Romans 8, 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead shall give life also to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwelleth in you. So you've heard John speak today about some testimonies. You've heard John read out of the book of Mark about the fishes and the loaves. But I've chosen to believe this scripture for so much of my life. And I've watched God do it because when I've heard him say, when I've heard the devil say, you, you've only brought that many fishes and that many loaves and you're going to go to win a nation? Yeah, because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in this mortal body. You bet I am.